and welcome back to the Fort Taylor Talks podcast. I'm Pat Williams. Once again, eyeball to eyeball, belly to belly with my friend Ford Taylor. Ford, good morning. Good morning, Patrick Williams. It's so good, always is, to be with you, my friend. Uh, we are uh, continuing our journey. Uh, we've stepped on a road for starting with our last podcast, and we're going to continue. Uh, we are talking about race in America, uh, the issues that are really troubling uh, the hearts of many. And uh, if there was no solution or no way to make it, bad, uh, make it better, I'd be really frustrated. But I know that we can get past this. And uh, you have a very special guest. And I'd like to welcome Jerry Colbert, who is the senior pastor of Triadstone New Beginnings Church in Cincinnati, co-chair of City Servants, which I love this word is the leader of leaders. It's leaders of leaders bringing unity and transformation to the city of Cincinnati. Jerry, welcome to the Ford Taylor Talks podcast. Good morning. Good morning. I'm excited about being on this podcast. I think we just have to go back to the start of the relationship between Jerry and Ford. I'm going to, Jerry, I'm going to let you tell the story about uh, your first meeting with our brother Ford Taylor. I don't know. It's been so long ago, um, and Ford's got an almost photogenic memory. I'm getting older, so it takes me a a few minutes to put it all together. But based on my memory, and Ford, you can always jump in, but based on my memory, uh, I think one of my earliest memories was um, uh, Chris Beard, which is my co-lead for the city service. We were meeting over something. Um, And... uh, talking, I think, about this particular group coming to Cincinnati. And and uh, I remember Chris saying that I should I should be part of the leadership. I should co-lead that or something. And I think he was the one that introduced me to you, wasn't he, Ford? Yeah, we were both in the audience, and we hadn't really met, or maybe just shook hands or something. Of course, we could shake hands back then, but when we first walked in, then he stood up and said it was called Impact World Tour about uh, bringing – uh, messages into the high school uh, around unity and, and different things. And and I had been asked to chair that. And and uh, Chris stood up and looked at you and said, I think you're supposed to help co-chair that. And you and I kind of looked at each other like, right. <laughs> okay, we don't know each other, but that sounds good to me. And so that, that was our first uh, introduction with one another. So that's true. Right. I thought I had it. Okay, I got some of that right. You did. Uh, yeah, I remember that. And, um, of course, as for us, yeah, at that time, we didn't really know each other. But then we began, of course, to meet around IWT, Impact World Tour, coming to the city. Uh, one of the things that uh, I will always remember, and sometimes I, I even tell this story to some of the leaders I talked to today, but one of the things that impacted me about um, for and I don't want to say for I'm going to say you. So I'm on this podcast. Can I say you or do I need to say four? You say whatever you want to say, Jerry, because okay. it doesn't have to be four. So it, and you and I are in a relationship. We're, we're covenant brothers, so you're good with me. All right. So um, so one of the earliest things that I remember that, that really impacted me as I began to talk to Ford about um, just as he began to share his heart about uh, how he got to Cincinnati and those kind of things and some of the various meetings he had and 
and just the way people were responding, especially a lot of the black leaders. Uh, but what really moved me the most is two key things. But what really moved me the most was when we were talking to Impact World Tour, World Tour leaders and they wanted to come to the city, they needed an open door. Um, I remember Ford making a stand and saying, well, you know, well, you know, um, you can't come based on my word. It's got to be a black leader in this city that opens the door for you to come uh, into this city. Um, that strongly impacted me because it's one thing to um, invite black people as leaders in, black leaders into the conversation after it's already up and going. It's another thing to bring them into the conversation at ground level uh, when you're making the decisions and when you're doing the planning. And that's one of the things that a lot of uh, leaders, especially black leaders, have an issue with. You know, you always want to talk about our white brothers in, in leadership want to invite us in to get our support. But that, that support is usually after they've laid the groundwork, did the foundation, did all of the planning, and they just want us to help them as black leaders to make it live. And that, that's almost offensive to your average black leader because, you know, why didn't you call me? when you were planning it. But Ford did um, this, um, he had this way of just letting you know uh, exactly where he was. And, and when he told them that, you know, he talked about, I think they said something like, well, you can't do that. <laughs> Ford said, well, yes, we can. Yeah. Uh, yes, we can. Yeah, Jerry, if you remember, <laughs> it, it was really kind of a fun day because you and I, were there with the leaders, the national leaders of Impact World Tour. And it was it was myself, their local team, and a bunch of black leaders that we brought together. Because if you remember, they wanted to use some graphics that I'd been yeah. telling them we're not using because those graphics will divide all the work we've done around this issue. And we're not going to use them. And so they, they flew the leader in. He said, you have no choice but use them. And I said, oh, we do have a choice. And he said, you don't, if you remember that. And I said, look, let me make it really clear, okay? Uh, I opened the door, and I learned this the hard way. Because even though you and I started together, I still was the white guy <laughs> that had opened the door for them to come early on. That's right. And so I'd, I had made the same mistake, and I had not learned the pain that that could cause. And not even It's a complete blind spot. But in that meeting, I looked at him, and I said, look, I opened the door. For you to be here and effective immediately the door is closed and he said something like we've already spent a million dollars i said look i understand what you spent and we want to do this but we are not using those graphics so effective immediately the door is closed you're no longer invited and i looked at him and i pointed at jerry i said unless my co-chair here decides he wants to chair and i become the co-chair and if he and his friends here in the room if they say you can come, I'm all in. If they say you can't, I'm out. So, Jerry, what do you think? <laughs> and so the white guys in leadership were looking up like, what just happened? And Jerry looked at them and looked at the other black leaders and said, what do you all think? And they all said, if you, if you won't make us use your graphics, we want to keep moving forward. But if we have to use your graphics, we don't. And the guy goes, well, I guess you can change our graphics. And Jerry goes, then we're in. And I looked at Jerry and said, okay, Jerry, what do you want me to do next? That's right. <laughs> What's my role now? As if I can uh, update our listeners or bring them up to speed, Ford, um, briefly talk about the organization that you're uh, 
that you and Jerry are reminiscing about what was the organization, what was the genesis of the organization, and then um, I think you have some questions that you'd like to ask, you know, Jerry. Yeah. What I really want people to hear is what happens when people who don't look alike can come to the table and share brains and share hearts because they may not agree on everything. There may be things we don't understand, but way back then, the name of that group was called Transformation Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky. And it really was about uniting, bringing together leaders across all the different spheres of influence. You know, the church, business, education system, even the police departments now involved, uh, the government, uh, some, some radio, arts, entertainment, media, uh, medical care, to get them to come together what if we stayed at the table and we, and we had hard discussions about hard issues, you know, difficult issues like racism and infant mortality and the prison system? I mean, things that we all believe needed to be changed, needed to be transformed. What would happen if we stayed at the table? So that was the genesis of the group that came together. And one of the events that we did was called Impact World Tour about trying to go in and help our high schools. And so that's the event we're talking about. So that's how we got going. So, Jerry, let me ask you a question. When, when you really fully stepped in uh, to co-leading, I mean, you and I were co-leading the city servants for a while. When you fully stepped into that, in my opinion, that day, something shifted in the room. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree with that because, um, again, even with the, with the city servants and the, and the gathering of these leaders, Jerry Kirk, uh, I don't guess it's okay if I use his name, but Jerry Kirk was uh, he's part of the city service. And, and I remember he said something to me one time about he's an old, old white guy, Presbyterian, as he always says, uh, but just has a powerful, powerful ministry uh, in the world now, right, for it. Yes. And so um, he made a statement about uh, leadership, and he, he, he said to me, you know, I really believe. Um, said this to me one always. I really believe that you know, um, if you if you step in and you lead this group, um, that I really believe that's God. And he gave that little laugh that he that he has. And I um I was I was actually hesitant to to do that. Quite frankly, I was hesitant, but um, there was something that was said that shifted me. Let me start there. Um, because, you know, I, I got enough leadership stuff I was involved in, but this, at heart, I'm an equipper. You know, our whole ministry is about equipping the believer to fulfill their kingdom assignments. Um, and so um, there was one of the team leaders, I mean, one of the leaders that's part of the city service made the statement to me. He said, well, Jerry, why don't you, why don't you lead us because this is equipping. So why wouldn't you take a leadership role? You can help equip us to do what we're supposed to be doing. And that grabbed my grabbed my heart because it was at the at the heartstrings of equipping for me. And um and I, I was okay with it because of that statement. But that, that day when we really fully stepped into leadership, I felt like there was a there was a shift in the atmosphere because of, I believe it was a move of God. I believe it was a spiritual move of God to shift uh, the way things were going with us uh, in the city service. And even before in our relationship, there was a shift spiritually because I think we came into right alignment. That's what I believe. Yeah, Jerry, I agree. I remember that day when, when Jerry, asked, Jerry Kirk 
You got Jerry Colbert, Jerry Kirk, and Jerry Ford Taylor. But anyway, right. we don't tell people that's my person. We had the three Jerry's in the room. We call us the three geriatrics. But there were a lot of other people. <laughs> you know, when Jerry stood up and said, I think you guys ought to lead officially. You know, which we kind of were, but officially, you guys, we need to ask you to do it. And, and, and Jerry, my hippocampus, that thing that, you know, that in our brain that recalls yeah. stuff and we think we're going to get the same outcome. You know, I immediately went to when I was in high school. And when I was a junior in high school, and I know, I have, I know I'm not supposed to say this, but I had three best friends and one of them was black. I mean, we co-discipled at church together. We were president and vice president of the class together, went on dates together. I went to parties together. I mean, we truly were friends. This isn't somebody I just played sports with. But I'll never forget between our junior and senior year, uh, believe it or not, his name was Jerry Cooper. I'll never forget <laughs> that Jerry came to me. He said, Ford, would you mind if I run for president of the student body and you run for vice president? And I told him no. And once I learned what I learned from you and my other black friends about the systemic nature of the white supremacy of, of having an advantage because I'm six foot three and blonde hair and blue eyes. Okay, gray hair used to be blonde. Because of that, I'm not even sure. I think it was my arrogance that said no, but what if it truly wasn't unconscious bias? And, and, and I've regretted, after I learned what I learned, what if in 1974 I would have said yes? Could I have made a difference all those years ago? Because I didn't understand how much it could have made a difference if, I, if we had just flip-flopped in that day that Jerry Kirk, that, that's, that memory came flooding back into my mind, and I wasn't about to do it again. And so, so thank you for being that Jerry that has stepped up because it's making a difference in our city. So, and I think it's going to make a difference in our country. So, Jerry, question. When, as we walk this out, and we've watched so many Caucasians, their light bulbs come on on how ignorant, you know, how blind we are to the truth. And you've watched that. The, the things that we do that look racist, but it truly is for many of us ignorance or unconscious bias. And for others, it's racism. No question about it. What has that done as you've kind of watched those light bulbs come on among those white leaders as they've stayed at the table? What has that done? For you, what has that done to be able to watch that transition in those leaders? Well, let me push a little deeper than that. Um, as I've seen the light bulbs come on, the question really is what has that done in me? Because um, being black in America, you know, I went through my issues with uh, white people and I went through my issues with being treated as if I didn't have any equality. I went through all of the stuff that you've, uh, you you see and hear our young people are going through, but, you know, just feeling less than going into the store, being followed by, um, you know, the store managers and all that stuff, going into an elevator, and, you know, just just all of the things that we, that we have to deal with when you're black, uh, especially if you're a black man, you know, and I'm not a skinny guy either, so <laughs> just dealing with some of those. And so um, even being um, the things I went through as a teenager, being arrested for something I didn't do, being put in jail for something I, I, I didn't do, being, you know, being found out that it was true I didn't do it, and being let out and just 
just just the possibilities of spending uh, years in jail in a penal system that accused me without any proof. You know, I've just gone through all that. So I had some real trust issues. One of the things the Lord had me to do um, is staying at the table with the city service, because we're talking about them staying at the table, uh, white leaders, and you know, I need to stay at the table as well um, in trying to break those those issues of mistrust. Uh, and, and it's not easy, especially when a person doesn't understand where you come from. That's why white people need to stay at the table, because you need to understand where you come from. You don't know my story, so how can you how can you help me? And how can we walk together? So that was critical for me. So sitting at the city service table, and and, and obviously people like you for and I have to be transparent. Just um, you know, having a, an earnest desire to want to build relationship, having an earnest desire to want to get to know. Having an earnest desire to, um, you know, see things change. And I saw the genuineness there because we've had some extremely difficult conversations. Um, we've, we've kept race at the center of the conversation. And, um, you know, you didn't leave the table because you maybe it felt like we were angry black men and all that stuff, but you stayed at the table and we had the tough conversation. And I've seen true repentance in your heart based on the things that you have profited from being, you know, like you say, six foot white, blue eyes, blonde hair at one point in your life. And so typical picture, (laughs) but yet you became my friend and my covenant brother and began to shift my paradigm on uh, the fact that there are people out there who who don't look like me, who can really care about me, uh, and my plight, and our plight as a culture, and then not only care, but get on the front lines with his boots to the ground to help us walk out change. So I had I had to go through some healing. You know, it's a deliverance as well. And I'm I'm much better now. I'm better now. Um, but some of the things that uh, offends, offends black people, especially leaders, some of the things that offend us, uh, unless, unless we know you. Like Ford just made that statement when I was young, I had this black friend. Well, you know, um, usually when I'm talking to people that have no understanding, and that's not for it at all about this, but talking to people that have no understanding, they make statements like that. Um, it's offensive. I didn't ask you if you had a black friend. Are you talking to me? Well, you know, when I, I had, you know, I, one of my best friends is black. It don't mean you know, that don't mean you know him. Doesn't mean you, that doesn't mean you understand what we're going through. Doesn't mean you understand uh, how we feel. So those kind of, of statements polarize. They don't make me feel like we're close because you got a black friend, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's, and I don't know if that's done out of ignorance or, or you just trying to avoid the, the, the situation. You know, I, I, you know, right now I'm feeling like going all over the place. So let me zero in um, and see if I can just answer your question because now some things are rising up. Um, but the bottom line is, when you get to know people, and I'm so glad that God had put me in this place, 
to get to know some of the leaders around uh, city service and um, to get to know Ford and work as a co-leader with you um, on the city service. And I really felt, and to be honest, and be transparent, I always want to be honest, but I want to be transparent. Um, I really felt a sense of loss when you couldn't be at the table with me on a regular basis um, because there was so much I was drawing from you as well uh, and just your transparency. Uh, and, you know, if something happened that was offensive, you would just speak to it, you know, and you bring it out. And it took a boldness and it took courage to do that. And, and that was important to me. Uh, and plus you were a white voice that, that I could trust that had understanding and had wisdom and had learned some things and, and stayed at the table. So I told you, you know, you call me, I'll be there because uh, the level of trust and covenant that we had was based on going through the trenches together, crying together, being angry together, you know, all of those things. Um, and I appreciate the Lord for that. Yeah, Jerry, we, we have shed some tears together, and you've taught me so much. And and again, I think what we've learned, one of the things we've learned from each other about each other and about others is this continuum of racism, conscious bias and unconscious bias, that we can have based on the color of skin. And I'll never forget one day, and again, just one of those places of ignorance. We were meeting with the city servants, and a new guy came in, asking, okay, how did you guys get here? We're trying to start a group, and how did you get here? And and never forget, he's one of the leading pastors in our city. And, I, and we were having this conversation. He looked up, and he goes, I understand what it feels like to be black. And I kind of rolled my eyes and thought, here we go again. And we asked him to explain that. He goes, well, you know, I'm a pastor in a fairly affluent community. And when I go into the restaurant in our community, I can tell that people are looking at me like you're a pastor. And so I know what it feels like to get looked like at that because you're different. And I, I just wanted to, I wanted to reach out and strangle him, but that was okay. And so I asked immediately, could we take a break? Because I didn't want to embarrass the guy in front of everybody. But sometimes, as you know, I'm, I'm okay with getting out there because I want to be told when I do something. When I say something that can do that, please tell me. But we went to the restroom and I, I said, can I ask you a question? He said, yeah. I said, do you have a choice on whether you're a pastor or not? He said, well, of course. I said, those guys you just said that to in there, they don't have a choice whether they're black or not. So I want you to hear that what you just said makes no sense whatsoever. None. To the men that you just said it to. And he came back in, if you remember, and immediately apologized and, and said, man, I want to be a part of this group instead of starting a new one because that's life-changing. But Jerry, you're one of those people, one of those dear covenant friends that taught me so much of this, that, that allowed me to hear and learn of my own unconscious biases that I didn't think I had, but I didn't even know they were there. And so thank you for that. And I've got one more question for you. So when you're watching the media and you're watching what they're showing in the media, because as you know, Jerry, we've worked with lots and lots of leaders. And you know, I work with leaders around the world that have a different color skin than I do. And I don't know very many of them that are very violent, including the leaders in Cincinnati that I'm watching try to have peaceful protests. Leaders in these other cities that are trying to say peacefully, hear my heart, hear my pain, let's change this nation together. Yet there's a small percentage 
that's taken those people, and that's what we're seeing on the media is that small percentage. All those peaceful demonstrations crying out, love me, see me, let's be a part of this together. Yet the media is showing that that small group that's trying to keep us divided. How does that make you feel? Well, quite frankly, if it wasn't for the fact that I'm a believer, uh, and I do have uh, hope in God, you know, it keeps me at a place of peace. But it angers me. It angers me because when you look at the media and you look at the thing that they're um, highlighting, they always highlight the violence, always highlight the negative. But you know what? What we're seeing on television, what we're seeing in the media, and there are people who are legitimately uh, protesting in peace. But it's it's the negative narrative that um, the media and, quite frankly, white America puts on um, the black man or the black people because it's always highlighting um, the negative. Here's the things we go through a lot. Two people, I mean... And here's what black people go through. I know this for a fact. You know, uh, the news comes on and they make a news flash. You know, man kills woman. And so we knew when they say man kills woman like that, we know he was white. Because here's what we hear when when uh, somebody black does something. Black man did this. Black man did that. And so the narrative is always painting this picture of the violence that that um and and the violence that black people are doing and never highlighting the good. Just the other day, just the other day, I was reading something, and you know we've been talking about Black Lives Matter, and we can go back to when when that first came out, Black Lives Matter, and then the narrative was uh, people start hollering, "Well, now all lives matter, all lives matter," and what that does is that says that black people aren't important. Because, um, you know, we know all lives matter, but we're not talking about all lives right now. We're talking about the black people that are being abused or the black people that are being murdered. We're talking about black lives matter, too. We could add the two. Maybe people would understand. But, yeah, we know all lives matter, especially as believers. But what about those that are being abused? We don't have those kind. Of, we don't make those kind of statements. All children matter, but yet we will make sure we highlight children that may have cancer. Or children, you know, the Jerry, the, the Jerry Lewis marathon. That was highlighting those who were going through pain and hurt. But you know, um, you didn't see all of the other groups running around saying, "Well, no, wait a minute now. All sick kids matter." I mean, come on. And it always seems to be uh, this narrative that. Um, if black people raise their voices, they're so wrong. But I think about things like the Holocaust, and as horrible as that is, and Jews that lift that up, when the Jewish people lift that up, you know, you don't see Americans running, saying that it wasn't important and all those kind of things. And, you know, let's, let's not talk about that. Let's not have museums. Let's not do those things, you know, because the Americans didn't do it. We didn't do that in the United States. In the United States, we got slavery. But we don't want to acknowledge that. We don't want to go back and look at the pain and the suffering that comes from uh, being treated the way we were treated up till today. And so we're always trying to be equal, always trying to be equal. You know, we got less education in our communities. Somebody said on a, on a newscast the other day that, I mean, on a, on a 
an article the other day that made this statement that black people are in the ghetto because they want to be. It's ignorant. That's crazy. And, and, and a little girl got killed. Lord Jesus, a little girl got killed. And uh, in, in the, in the newscast is saying it was killed by the protesters. Uh, it ain't been proven yet, but it was killed by protesters. And then, then somebody tweeted, one person tweeted, well, you know, all of you uh, Black Lives Matter people now, um, what are you doing about that? Mm. So just take... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, the, uh, we know there's Black-on-Black crime, of course. There's Black-on-Black crime, and that's, that's a travesty in our world, in our city, in, our, in the United States. It's Black-on-Black crime, and we want that to stop as much as anybody else. We do. We grieve and we hurt over that just like anyone else. But don't diminish the fact that black lives matter because we got some black people killing each other. Don't diminish the fact. Yeah, it matters then, too. What we're saying is black lives matter, period. And it's always worse when you feel like the people that are oppressing you, you know, are the ones that are supposed to be protecting you are the ones that's killing you. It's, it's, I'm a believer. I love the Lord. And because of that, I stay at the table, and I try to make as much difference as possible um, in communication and prayer and relationship because um, until we get people who are willing to stand up, people like Ford Taylor and others, people like Chris Beard, we get people like those people to stand up along with black people to help handle the fact that injustice is here. That, we, that there is a, a lack of justice, there is a lack of equality, until we get people that don't look like us to help paint the narrative, um, we just get dismissed. Yeah, Jerry, I'm just going to share something quickly that I shared on the opening podcast. I'm not going to go into detail, I'm going to do it quickly. Years ago, you may remember me sharing this in Cincinnati, years and years ago, and I've shared it since is that if we could imagine boats out on the ocean, and let's just call it deep sea fishing, different boats, and there's this big boat, and there's a bunch of other smaller boats, and a storm blows in, and when the storm blows in, it starts taking one boat down, it starts sinking, and the big boat has all that the little boat needs. It has the life preservers. It's, it can bring them in and save their lives. Now, when that storm blows in, every life on every boat matters. That's right. But I got news for you. That boat that's sinking right there at that moment in time, for me, that life matters more. Just at that moment right. in time. And that's right. And I said back then, if we don't throw the life preserver to that boat, one day the big boat is going to be sinking, and there'll be no one to throw the life preserver to the big boat. And I hope that doesn't happen to our country. And so I, I agree with you. You and I both agree every life matters. But you won't hear that coming out of my mouth as a but every life matters. Because right now, there's a boat that's been sinking for years. And if we don't throw a life preserver, if we don't come side by side and swim in that ocean and get them to the big boat, we're going to be in trouble. So, PW, I think you have a question. Jerry, thank you so much for uh, sharing your heart. You said something earlier and I wrote it down in my notebook here. You said earnest desire and share with us in Cincinnati, Ohio right now, do both sides of this issue have the earnest desire to, to 
continue to take a step closer to each other, to seek unity and to seek reconciliation and to seek transformation. You say both sides of this issue be more explicit. You mean black and white people? Yes. Okay. So if you're talking about black and white people, um, and the issue you're talking about is what, racism? Yeah, the issue of race, racism, uh, it's all over the okay. news. It's, it's, it's all over the press. But I look at you as someone boots on the ground. Uh, you've got your finger on the subject. Uh, you're a leader of leaders. Give us a sense of what's the pulse right now in your city around this issue. Well, here's the pulse. Ford talked about uh, unconscious bias. That hasn't changed. We haven't seen a lot of eruptions in Cincinnati, but that has a lot to do with a lot of work um, that's been done with the collaborative agreement that was done but back in 2001. And so there's, there's not this big eruption when it comes to the police department, Cincinnati police, Cincinnati police department and uh, the city. But when it comes to the unconscious bias, it's still there. I don't feel like we are in a place where we are really an example of really dealing with racism. I believe we got some key leaders that are working uh, to help shift that. I believe people like the city servants, you know, are working to bring awareness to um, the fact that race is still an issue. But being a black man uh, myself and, and coming through corporate America and always being in upper leadership uh, positions dealt with um, unconscious bias and racism all the time. I was usually one of two or three uh, black people in a, you know, in an upper management position. And it was always constant. I believe that's why God allows me to even, you know, enter into conversation and these kind of things. I'm not afraid. I'm not, I'm not, I don't feel belittled or anything like that being around white people. I'm not afraid to talk to leadership, speak, you know, speak to those that are in power. I'm not afraid to do that because I was one of those people that was in a leadership position that had power. And I always had to be aware of the fact that um, I got there by the grace of God. But people in our city, we got a long way to go. Mm-hmm. We've come a long way, but we have a long way to go. And I'm not going to be facetious and sit here and say, no, we, you know, we really, I guess on the scale of one to 10, we're about an eight. No, we're not. We may be a three. Because at least there are a number of people who are trying. There may, we may be a four because there are people who are willing to have a conversation. But it takes more than conversation. It takes relationship. Ford always talks about trans, you know, relational, relationship and transaction. See, people want to do a transaction, try to fix the problem. A transaction can't fix racism. Mm. We, need, we, we need relationships. The reason I can call Ford my covenant brother, get a little excited. The reason we can call Ford my covenant brother, reason I can say that that if he called me, I'm gonna come, is because we have relationship. And in the relationship, we could talk about uh, my pain. We could talk about the pain of 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 the of my people. And he would stay there and listen. And we press through it. He'd ask questions. It's relationship. That's why. Uh, if he says, Jerry, I'd like for you to do this podcast, that's a transaction. Absolutely. Why? Because of relationship. 
Even if I get on there and don't have anything to say, just the fact that I have a relationship with the man, I'm gonna get on the on, get on the po- podcast. And we we keep trying. You can't you cannot come up with enough laws to get rid of racism because it's something that's in the heart of people. Where you treat me differently because I look different. Mm-hmm. Only thing that's gonna fix that is relationship. Mm-hmm. Only thing that fixed us is our relationship with Jesus, right? Amen, Jerry. I don't so think it's a, re- yeah. I don't think it's an accident that relational starts with the relationship piece, right? I, I don't think there's there's any accident to that. Thank you for sharing. There's a huge difference between relationship and transaction, and 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 one can't come before the other. I thought that was very insightful. Yeah, Jerry, is there anything, uh, before I kind of launch this, uh, is there anything else that you would like to add? Or uh, just real quick, if you could say anything to people who look like me to help us see the hearts of the people who look like you, what would you say to us to help us understand better? Be slow to speak and quick to listen. Wow. That's just profound. Yeah. People who look like me, if we just quit saying, but what about? We weren't there. We didn't own slaves. Can you just please stop saying those things? You know, can you just please listen? Hear the pain. Get in the relationship. Because if we do, guess what? We can all together. We've said it over and over again. Let's get lit. Jerry, Colbreth, and I, we get lit together. See, we've learned to love, to love others and care more about them than how we feel about how they feel about us. And from that, we believe that together we have influence that we couldn't have alone. And that gives us an opportunity to influence up to our city leaders, maybe even our nation's leaders, but up to our bosses, our coaches, and across to our peers, and and even down to those who might follow us. And then we have more and more influence with ourselves because we're able to speak into each other's lives. And from that, that love, influence, we can see transformation. That process that allows us to become something different tomorrow than we are today. So what would happen if we had leaders who cared enough about getting taught, trained, and equipped on how to love, influence, and transform? Might we have an impact, a transformation on individuals, organizations, and who knows, maybe even cities and nations? Before, let me ask you a question. Yes. Even as you say that, let me ask you a question. What did it for you? Why were you willing to do the work, because it's a work, to do the work of building relationships with people who don't look like you. You could have taken the position that most do and, and, and lived in your own unconscious bias and, and just went through life, you know, believing that black people are just the way they are because, you know, they don't want to do better. What shifted you? Wow, Jerry, it's, uh, I don't talk about this as much on the show. Uh, we're trying to reach a very broad audience to try to get them to get to a place that I'm about to share. Uh, But Jerry, I had a transformation of my mind and a transformation of my heart. What would it take to get you to trust me 100%? And all of them originally 100% said, that's not possible. And I said, why not? And they said, it's not your fault. It's because you're white. And I said to them, what if I died on my sword trying to make that happen? And they said, give it your best shot. But you're white. There's nothing you can do about it. And I realized that if I truly could care more about them than I cared 
about how they felt about me, that just maybe something could happen. But it took a change in my mind. It took a change in my heart. And you know, for me, that came through a change of my relationship with Jesus. And while we don't talk about that as much on this show, that's what happened to me. And when those blinders came off, I started caring more about other people than I cared about how they saw me. And I was willing to do the best I could to stay at the table. And like you said a while ago, I felt pretty beat up sometimes. And that was okay. I was able to take the beating because so much of the beating was a good beating. I needed to hear what was being said. And so thanks for asking that question, but that's what happened. So Jerry, thanks for being on the show with us today. Uh, You'll notice we didn't say a word about you being black on the whole show. Why? Because you are a good man. You're a godly man. You are a transformational leader. You're a change agent. You're a man that cares more about other people than you care about how they feel about you. You're a man that, that says, if we work together, we can influence more than we can apart. And you're a man that says, let's go do that. And Let's get our own transformation, and from that, let's transform others. So thank you for being that. Thank you for your friendship. Please do me a favor. Would you give Jackie the biggest so hug for me today? And and I look forward to our time together next week. Thank you for being here. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. God bless you, Jerry. Bless you, too. Thank you for listening to this episode of Four Taylor Talks. For more information and resources to help you love, influence, and transform, please visit FordTaylorTalks.com.